Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Awesome. Well, today we're diving into part two of our message on this series called Making Change. And last week we talked about um, the biblical concept of really understanding the heart behind money and understanding like kind of how we view money and how our heart affects what we do with our money and vice versa. So this week we're going to be talking about giving God's way. And before we start, there's a couple of brief things I want to say. Uh, Number one, uh, I just want to say a reminder of something that we said last week. Um, You know, I said this last week in one of the services, I can't remember which one, but you may not know this, but every pastor that we have on staff used to be a volunteer at this church, which I think is, is awesome, fantastic. Um, and what I love about that is that we all gave to the church before we ever got paid to work at the church, if that makes sense. And, and what that says to me is that we understand that this church is a place where uh, integrity in our finances matters. And maybe you've encountered um, some Christians or some churches or some stuff late night on TV where that was really not the priority. Uh, And I just want to say, I'm sorry for that. Uh, That's not of God for people to use the word of God to get something from someone. I don't think that's always what people are doing. I think sometimes people are misguided, but sometimes people certainly do that. And, and I apologize for that. That's not right. But I want you to know, um, and when I was a volunteer here, one of the best things I, I thought about our church, I thought it was just so cool, was that um, you can actually get a cash flow statement from our church. I don't know if you know that. It's available this weekend. Uh, they just came out. But you can actually go to the, the Welcome Center in the gathering place, which is our main lobby, and you can request a cash flow statement. It's basically just like a general income and outflow sheet of what happened in 2017. And I think that's so fantastic because in a world where it's hard to figure out what's real and what's true and and what's not and all kinds of stuff, we are so blessed to be a part of a church where transparency is the norm and is not the exception, it's the rule. Yeah. And, uh, and you, you may not know that about us, but I can tell you we have a fantastic, uh, fantastic staff that takes finances seriously. Because here's what we know. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That means everything in the earth is God's. So if we mismanage God's money that God's people gave, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. And so uh, if we have a receipt for two bucks and we don't turn it in, they'll find us. And all the accounting department said, amen. <laughs> and uh, they, they'll ask us, where did that money go? How did that get there? What was that? And I, I so appreciate that about our church. The other thing I want to say to you today is Romans 8, verse 1. In the New Living Translation, it says this. It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I think there's two big barriers that people have to talking about giving. Number one, uh, it's a natural thing. Uh, sometimes we're like, don't talk about my money. I do what I want with my money. And to that, I would say, you can certainly do whatever you want with your money. All I want to do is present what the Bible says about money. Uh, Let you make a choice. It's totally your choice. But the other thing I think that's a barrier sometimes is condemnation. Uh, People feel guilty because you ever felt guilty guilty because you miss, you don't have to raise your hand, but I will, because you mismanaged your money and you're like, ah, where'd it go? Uh, And uh, and maybe it's just me. That's cool. Um, But you know, people feel guilty. People feel condemned. Maybe you mismanage your money. Maybe you don't give. 
and you know you should give and you feel bad about it. I wanna say this to you, that the voice of condemnation is different than the voice of conviction. Pastor Don highlighted this a lot in his previous series, uh, Love Song. But the voice of condemnation tells you that you're bad, you're doing it wrong, and this is an endless cycle and you'll never get out. Anybody ever had somebody, don't point to your neighbor, that kind of made them feel that way? And it makes you just like, well, then whatever, I'll just stay in the cycle. But when you hear the voice of conviction, the voice of conviction says, hey, I think this is an area that you could really improve in, and I want to help you do that. If you hear the voice of condemnation today, it's not of God. It's from the enemy. The Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. If you hear the voice of conviction, it's the Holy Spirit saying, let me help you and show you how you can change and what you can do. And so just want to encourage you with that today that don't listen to voices of condemnation. Hey, this is an endless cycle you're stuck in. You're not good enough to get out. The other thing about conviction, just really briefly, is conviction doesn't just tell you that you can change. It gives you the ability to change. That's what the truth of God's word does. And so I want to start with this passage of scripture and we're going to get some stuff out of this passage today, but we're going to highlight a lot of scripture. I'm going to go pretty quick. So I'm going to ask you to keep up with me. If you want to, you can follow along with live notes. If you don't have the TOLC app, you can go to the App Store or the Google Play Store, search Tree of Life Church NB. Download that app and you can actually see the notes as we go. And then you can email them to yourself so you can look at them later. Maybe go over them with your family or whatever that may be. Uh, just a note about taking notes. Uh, my wife can attest to this. I remember one time I couldn't sleep, just some stuff going on in my life. And, and I, I pulled out some notes that I had taken during someone's sermon here. And I just read them and it just brought peace to me. And it's been more than one occasion that that's happened. It's two that I can vividly remember. Notes are important because they take you back to the truth of God's word. Second uh, Corinthians 9, 6 through 12, Paul is talking to this church in this city called Corinth. And he says, he's talking about this special offering they're collecting for the church in Jerusalem. And he says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. A lot of common sense there. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. You ever been pressured to give before? You ever been pressured to buy something before? Ooh, that does not go well with me. If, as soon as you, let me say this. If I leave a restaurant and they say, hey, make sure to give us a five-star review on Facebook, I'm immediately like, no, I'm not gonna do it because you told me to. I may have done it before. And maybe that's just rebellion, but that's just me. Uh, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all, say all, you need. Then you will always have everything, say everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. God's reminding us here, Paul's reminding us that, again, in Psalms, it says that God owns everything. It's all his. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Say always. When we take our, your gifts to those who need them, they'll thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met 
and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Now, I love what Paul says here because he says there's two benefits to your giving. A, uh, well, actually, really, he's saying there's three, but he kind of caps it at two later on. The, the third benefit that I think that he kind of leaves off at the end is he's telling them if you give, God will take care of you so you can continue to be generous. Um, but the other thing he says is that you'll take care of the needs of the people that you're giving to. So you're blessing God's heart by taking care of other people. It's what we're called to do. And the second thing is that he says, when you do that, those people will in turn thank and praise God. See, God gets the glory when we give with the right heart and the right motive. So today we're going to highlight a couple of things. We're going to talk about two types of biblical giving. We're going to talk about two common questions about tithing. People have these questions a lot valid questions, and I'd love to talk about them today. And then we're going to talk about three principles for giving. And so I want you to go with me today, and I want to challenge you with a couple of things. Uh, just ask you really a couple of things if you would do this. A, if you have preconceived notions about giving and about what you've heard in the local church, I want to ask you to just do me a favor. If we were sitting at a table right now and you were holding your preconceived notion, and I was sitting across from you, I would ask you to just put it on the table right in front of you. Just let go of it for a second. And at the end, if you want to pick it back up, pick it back up. But just let go of it for a second. And let's just talk about this from a biblical perspective and see what we can get, see what the Holy Spirit speaks to you. The second thing is, Pastor Don says this all the time, and he does a fantastic job of conveying this. If you don't agree with our church's standpoint on tithes and offerings, if you don't agree with our church's standpoint on the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we can still partner together to reach people for Jesus. Because what we agree on is the most important thing, and that's that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And it's our job to reach people. So here's what we ask of you. If this is the place God's called you to, then continue to partner with us uh, to reach people for Jesus. And the only thing we'd ask is that you don't try to convince other people of, of what you believe, you know? Just kind of a basic kind of leadership type of thing and respect type of thing. But I think we can still partner together. There's a lot of people I don't agree with that I still work together with, yeah? Um, sometimes if you agree with someone on everything, it may mean that you're not thinking enough. <laughs> um, ground rules for giving. Number one, don't give out of obligation. Second Corinthians 9, 7, Paul says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Have you ever been to a kid's birthday party? And this five-year-old little boy uh, has to give this, let's say it's like a really cool car to the other kid whose birthday it is. And he's got like tears in his eyes. You know what I'm talking about? Because his mom took him to Walmart and said, pick out a toy for Johnny. And he picks out a toy for himself. And it, she wraps it and says, give it to Johnny. And he's like, no. <laughs> Have you ever had somebody that was reluctant to give you something as an adult? You know if someone's obligated to give you something. And you don't appreciate the gift as much unless you're just weird. Like if you're just like, I'm going to take it any way I can. That's weird. That's different. But if you just are the kind of person that you, you just like, I want somebody to actually want to give me a gift. Does that make sense? Ladies, I bet y'all are totally like this. Some of y'all are probably not. Some of you are like, I don't care how I get it as long as he got what I, <laughs> but uh, a lot of ladies laughed. That was actually kind of scary. Uh, but you know, if someone's obligated, do you know that God has feelings too? 
God created you with feelings. Feelings aren't bad. Sometimes feelings need to be corralled and sometimes they're indicators of something that's wrong and we need to change them. And sometimes we need to tell feelings to really just be quiet. But feelings aren't always bad. They're indicators. And God has feelings too. And I bet God appreciates it more, scripturally speaking, when we give because we want to, not because we have to. Uh, The other thing is, number two, we don't give just to get. We don't give just to get. Um, if your kid walks up to you and they're like, hey, dad, I just want you to know how much I love you. And I think you're the best dad on the entire planet. You're like, what is going on? What am I about to be asked for? Right? You know, just by the tone of voice, if your kid's giving you a compliment just to get something in return. You know, I believe that uh, there is a blessing that comes with being a generous person. I think that's scriptural. Um, I, I can show you scripture for that. Uh, it's just really kind of, Paul talks about it here. It's, it's kind of just a natural and a supernatural law. Oftentimes they kind of parallel. Um, if you put the seed in the ground and you water it in the right climate, it'll grow and it'll produce fruit. It'll reproduce. You'll be blessed with more, right? I tried to plant a garden one time and I never watered it. Nothing really happened. Uh, that's a true story. I planted like corn and it was great. Uh, it's not what I'm cut out for, you know? Um, but if you put a seed in the ground, you water it, something grows. I mean, when I give, I understand that God's going to bless me in return, right? Uh, and, and in fact, there's a cool story. Uh, I don't know if I really have time to tell it, but I gave a friend a pair of shoes one time. Uh, I knew he liked these shoes. I don't think I realized how hard he was looking for them. I found them uh, at Ross of all places, and they were a little more than I would normally spend on shoes. And I, I had like the moment of truth, right? I was like, these are cool shoes. We're the same size. <laughs> I was just like, I could buy these for myself and just be like, hey man, so cool, I found these shoes. Or the Lord was kind of dealing with me like maybe I should buy them for him. My wife's a little more naturally generous than I am with big numbers. It wasn't a big number, but um, so it was big to me. And I was like, hey, what do you think if I bought these shoes for my friend? And she was like, go for it. And I'm like, dang it, you know? <laughs> no, I didn't really do that. Uh, but so I buy these shoes, I give them to my friend and I had no idea. That morning they had prayed, God, uh, I, just need to, I just need a reminder of the fact that you love me, that you care for me. And they had been like scouring stores for these shoes. I had no clue. So uh, I was like, that was awesome. I just gave to be obedient to God. You know, I, I had to like check my heart a little bit, but I did it. Hey, and uh and I, I gave to be obedient to God. And I started thinking like for a long time, I had wanted Jordans. And I, I didn't ever want to spend that much money on Jordans. I was like, yeah, right. I'm not doing that. Um, I just, I couldn't do it. Uh, and so don't get me wrong. I would have spend that much money on coffee in a month, but not at one time on Jordans. <laughs> so I just like, I almost had a little bit of a bad attitude if I'm being real with you. And I, I just said, hey God, um, like later on, I just started thinking about it. I was like, you know, uh, Obviously, I didn't give these to get anything because I, I wouldn't even think about that at the time. But I said, you know, I gave these shoes away and I just consider that a seed sown and I'm just going to believe you that you're going to provide something for me uh, somehow. So like months go by and I'm like, God, where are the shoes at? You know, and, uh, and like a month ago, I walk into uh, a store at the outlet mall and the shoes I'm wearing right now are some of the exact Jordans I have been looking for. And they were like half off. That never happens with Jordans. They were like the price of a pair of Converse. 
which is crazy. And uh, which converts are a lot more than they used to be. I get that. But um, I was just so thankful. And I thought, you know what? That may sound silly to you, but I really believe that God set it up so that I could be blessed. uh, But I didn't do it to get something. But there is a natural and a supernatural consequence to being generous. The third thing is don't give money and forget what's most important. Uh, Matthew 23, 23, this is super easy for us to do. But Jesus is talking to the religious leaders of his day, and he doesn't beat around the bush. He says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Anytime somebody says, and you blank, it's like, oh, no, this is not going to be good. He says, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe, give a tenth of even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should give a tenth, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. These guys were like picking mint leaves off of their plants and going like, okay, one-tenth of the mint leaves that I just harvested is going to God. They were extreme about this. But he said, you forgot the most important thing. You're not walking in justice. You're not doing what's right. You're not giving people mercy when they don't deserve it when they ever earned it or warranted it. You're not living by faith, believing and trusting in God for everything that you have and believing that he's going to do even greater things in and through you. He said, you should be giving a tenth of your income, but here's what you also should be doing. You shouldn't be forgetting the more important things. If we're giving money, but we're not striving to live like Jesus, we've actually missed the point of giving money. And I think that's so important that you can be a fantastic monetary giver, but if we're missing justice, mercy, and faith, then we're really missing it. So I want to talk about two types of biblical giving briefly today. Uh, The two types are number one, tithes, and number two, offerings. And the word tithing, a lot of people uh, who maybe you've never been in church before, you may not know what that word means. Maybe you've been in church for a long time and you actually don't know what it means because there's like this stigma or like this vibe in churches sometimes. You ever go somewhere where you've never been before and you try to act like you've been there? You know what I'm talking about? Don't lie. Like if you're a man, but you don't know that much about hardware stores, when you go in, you're like, yeah, I need a uh, uh, three quarter inch. uh," And you try to play it off like you know what you're talking about. There's a stigma in church sometimes where we won't ask questions about what stuff means because we don't want people to know that we don't know what it means. I've done it. Like I've been in church um, pretty much my whole life. And like, I remember one time being like, that's what that means. You know, I'm like 22 at the time. Like I get it, you know? And it's just part of it, but we got to be willing to ask questions. So the word tithe simply means a tenth. That's all it means. If you're a Spanish speaker, el diezmo, the tenth, right? It's a tithe. Uh, Tithing is the biblical concept of giving one-tenth of our increase to God. Now, increase, some people define this differently. I'm not going to give you exactly what you should do. I'm going to tell you personally, just be straight with you. Um, If somebody gives me money for my birthday, I tithe on it. You know why? Partially because that's just the way I take increase, but partially because I'm naturally kind of a stingy person. So I make myself give so that I train my brain that I'm a giver. So even if it was like, but they gave me this, it was my birthday. I'm like, nope, I'm going to give on it. I make myself do it. Uh, I don't always like to, to be honest with you, but I do it anyway. Uh, I'm working on that. Two common questions about tithing. I think these are really valid, valid questions. I think they deserve a good answer. Number one, 
if tithing is part of the Old Testament law, why should I do it? If you're not familiar with this concept of uh, the Old Testament law, the Bible is basically split into two parts. One is pre-Jesus coming to the earth to die for our sins. That's called the Old Testament. And one is post. It's called the New Testament. And things really changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. God did not change. But the way that we approached God changed because God had very tight restrictions and regulations. And they were meant for a couple of things. Number one, they were meant to show that we really need him, that we are lawbreakers by nature. I can prove that to you all day. All I have to do is give you a fast car and a 35 mile an hour speed limit. And you'll know you're a lawbreaker. And so God showed us that we are the type of people that don't follow rules well, and we need him to be our savior. So that's what that was for in one sense. In another sense, um, it also was to kind of cover over people's sins because God is perfect. Uh, have you ever had like, have you ever had a drop of something fall in your drink and it was not supposed to be in there? Like, I don't know, somebody sneezed and it went in your drink. You're like, oh. Uh, it doesn't matter that it was a drop. You don't drink the drink, right? God is perfect. And if we're imperfect, really that, that doesn't mix well, if that makes sense. So he had to cover over people's sins through the Old Testament law. It was a series of rules that was not only meant for that, but it was also meant to protect people and show them good morality. Uh, there, the world in that day was insane. And it still is today, but it was insane in that day. And so God was showing people, this is how you should live. So people will say, well, if tithing was part of the Old Testament law, why should I still tithe? Well, Abraham, at the time his name was Abram. He kind of did the prince thing and changed his name. Uh, he gave a king named Melchizedek a tithe about 500 years before the law was ever given. Genesis 14, 18 through 20, Abram had just fought this battle and won. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem and a priest of God most high, that's important, brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. So check this out. If you read in Hebrews, I believe it's chapter seven, the writer of Hebrews in the New Testament after Jesus compares Melchizedek to Jesus. Some people believe, everybody believes that he was like a kind of a portrait or a picture of Jesus. Some people believe that it was Jesus himself in that moment meeting Abraham in a way that he didn't know before he ever came to the earth uh, for the 33 years that he was here. His name meant king of righteousness. And the town that he was king of was called Peace. He was the king of righteousness and the king of peace. He gave Abram bread and wine. What does that sound like to you? Communion. And so it's a picture of Jesus. And Abram gives this guy that's a picture of Jesus, maybe even Jesus himself, we don't really know. He gives him a tenth of everything that he had just gotten. You know, 400 years before the law, Jacob spoke about tithing. And actually, I'm not gonna read it to you. In Genesis 28, you can look it up yourself. He actually did one of those bargain things with God. He said, listen, if you, he built this altar and he's like, if you get me home safe, I'll give you a 10th of everything I have. We're talking 400 and 500 years before the law. 
The other thing is that tithing, like many other elements of the Old Testament law, is actually still beneficial for New Testament Christ followers. You can choose not to tithe and still go to heaven. That's a no-brainer. But if you choose to tithe, you will receive the benefits that God promises to give with it. Malachi 3, 10 through 12 says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, God does a lot of if thens in scripture. Says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't even have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. You know, I think it's really interesting there. Um, God says, test me, try it. Uh, There are certain principles that we can extract or take from the Old Testament law that will still be a a blessing to us today. And I want to explain something that you may have never heard before. Uh, A lot of people have heard, you know, like about kosher eating and things like the Jewish people in the Old Testament, ancient Israel, were not allowed to eat certain things. They were forbidden in the law and the Old Testament. They weren't allowed to eat things uh, like, uh, like pigs, like pork. They weren't allowed to eat fish that didn't have scales, which includes catfish. And they had extremely strict dietary rules. Um, They also had these really strict rules about like hand washing and sick people and things like that. And so what would happen is like uh, you were required to wash your hands before you ate. In fact, Jesus' disciples didn't do it uh, in the New Testament. And the religious leaders were all over them. Like, I can't believe they didn't wash their hands. And Jesus used it as a teaching moment to say, you wash your hands all the time, but your spirit is dirty. And you're looking at the wrong thing. But... What is really interesting about that is that they were washing their hands before they ate. If you were sick or you had a skin condition, if you were sick, you had to go outside of the camp until you were better. If you had a skin condition, you had to live outside the camp unless somehow you were healed, then you could come back in, prove like, I'm good. And then you could come back and and be a part of the camp again and, and be a part, live in the city. Here's what's fascinating about the Old Testament law in regards to food and to hygiene is that at that time, it was the most advanced dietary and hygiene system in the world. These are people who had no idea that germs existed, but they washed their hands before every meal. They had no idea how disease spread, but if you got sick, you had to leave the camp and come back because God said, I don't don't know, I just just know that's what God said. And they did what God said, and God promised that if you do what I say, you will not have sickness and disease in your midst. He he could promise that not just on a supernatural level by his protection, but on a natural level by the laws of just the way that that science works. Here's my point. If you were to eat the Jewish diet today, you would still be really healthy. I'm not saying if you ate Oreos and figured out that they were kosher. I'm saying like if you ate the way that they ate back then. A lot of people are like, I'm vegan. I'm eating Oreos. Like, that's not even a thing. Uh, So... But here's the deal. You're not required. I still eat catfish sometimes, it's good. TJ's, Clear Springs, whatever. You're not required to do that, but if you do it, there's still a benefit. I can't tell you that if you don't tithe, you're not gonna go to heaven. 
But I can tell you that if you do tithe, there's still a blessing and a benefit attached to it that still applies to you today. As New Testament believers, uh, we understand that grace always goes further than the law. Matthew 5, 38 through 42, Jesus said, you've heard that the law says that the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Could you imagine if that was the law in the US? Like if you got into a car wreck and they hit your bumper, you just turn around and ram them back in their bumper. It'd be like crazy demolition derby. It'd be awesome. Uh, I would totally stop and watch wrecks for that reason, you know? And Jesus says, but I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer you the other cheek also. If you're sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. Modern context, if somebody sues you and they get 10 grand out of you, give them 20. And Jesus was saying that the law says this is what you're to do, but I'm telling you that grace goes a lot further. It was Roman law at the time. The Romans were oppressing the people of Israel. They had invaded. They were occupying their land. It was Roman law that if a Roman soldier asked you to carry his pack for one mile, you were required by law to do it. Jesus said, if a Roman soldier asks you to carry his pack for a mile, carry it too. Grace always goes the extra mile. As New Testament believers, our goal should be to be even more generous than the law required, not because we have to, but because we get to. The other thing is that extreme generosity was a hallmark of the early church. I'm going to read some of this. I'm not going to read everything of it, but Acts 2, 42 through 47, it talks about the early church. Right after Jesus went back to heaven, right after Pentecost happened and they received the Holy Spirit. And it says all the believers devoted themselves, and it goes through this list. They basically, they devoted themselves to uh, learning about the word of God, to going to big gatherings of the early church, they would meet in the temple, to going to small gatherings like groups, like community groups, life groups in our context. They devoted themselves to prayer and they devoted themselves to giving generously. In fact, it says that they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Acts 4, 32 and verses 34 and 35 says, all the believers were united in heart and mind. They felt that what they owned was not their own, Again, it's God's, right? So they shared everything they had. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. If we compare our giving to that of the early church, we'll find an even greater challenge than the tithe. I want to say two quick things. Number one, we often as believers, and this is not speaking to you if you've never been to church before, but if you've been in church for a long time, I want to challenge you with something that God is challenging me with right now. We often as believers want to see the world change for Jesus like the early church did. By the end of the time that they were writing the New Testament, which is like before, I think around 100 AD, there's Christians in Egypt spread from Israel and Palestine. There's Christians in Egypt, there's Christians in Greece, there's Christians in Turkey, there's Christians in Rome, there's Christians in Spain. I mean, you're talking there's, there's Christians on multiple continents already. We want to see that happen, but we don't want to devote ourselves to what the early church devoted themselves to. How many times has God asked me to pray and I've said, I just don't have time. How many times have we been like, man, I'm just too tired to get up and get the family into church on Sunday? How many times have we said, well, you know, I'll join the life group when I have more time. How many times has God asked us to be radically generous and we've said no? And, and here's my question. If we want to go off of, and I'm going to say this just with all the love that I have in my heart. 
If we want to go off of, well, the Old Testament people had to tithe 10%, but we're in the New Testament. We don't have to do that. And again, I'm speaking to believers here. If it's your first time, this is not for you. But if we want to go off of that, then I think we have to ask ourselves, then how generous am I? Because the early church was selling houses and giving them away. They were giving the money so that poor people could be taken care of. And actually, if you look at the text, it says that they were giving them to the apostles who ran the local church, not so the apostles could take a cut, so that the apostles actually could give it support and help people. And I think if we want to compare our giving to that of the early church, we'll find that we are way more challenged than just the tithe. I'm not telling you to sell your house. If you do that, I did not say that. Please, 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 please. What I am saying is evaluate. When's the last time God asked me to give a significant amount in my financial context? And how long did it take me to do it if I did it? I can tell you the last time God asked me to give what was a significant amount to me, um, and I had gotten it somehow. I don't remember, like, if I, I don't know if I did something extra. I don't know what happened, but I, 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 like, I wanted to use it, and I definitely pressed pause on God. You know, that's just as, I think that's really just kind of as offensive to God as not doing it in the first place. And so I just want to challenge you with that today, and I think it's a challenge for everybody. Question number two, really briefly, is what if I don't have enough money to tithe? Fantastic question. In Luke 21, verses 1 through 4, I'm not going to read it, but Jesus is sitting in the temple with his disciples, and he watches people putting in their offering. Super awkward. Jesus is looking at you while you're putting in your offering. You're like, well, maybe I should have added more. Uh, he's, watching pe- <laughs> he's watching people put their offering in the box. And there's all these rich people dropping in money, and this little lady comes up with two coins. And we think of them as pennies. It may have been like half a day's wages. It wasn't as little as we maybe think. And she drops it in. And Jesus has a teaching moment with the disciples, and he says, hey, I want you to know something. This lady is more blessed than all those other people. They gave out of their abundance, but she gave everything she had to live on. Now, here's the deal. I'm, again, not telling you that you should give everything you have to live on. Please don't misunderstand me. But what I am saying is that Jesus is teaching us that it's not about giving when we have enough. It's about trusting that he is enough. And here's an idea for all of us. If we wait till we have enough, then I believe that we're just giving out of our abundance like those people did. Because enough, the mark changes, doesn't it? I mean, you used to think like, well, if I have enough money, I'll get married. And then, oh, I'm waiting until I have enough money to have kids. But then you had kids and you realized that wasn't enough money. I thought it was going to be enough money. But... And in the house, you're like, whoa, this is a huge house. And then you're like, this house is not big enough. I got to get a bigger one. And, the, and, and the, it's a moving target. And we have to understand that if we wait till we give enough, I believe we're just giving out of abundance. And really the Bible teaches us in Philippians 4.19 and Matthew 6.33 that if I put God first, he'll provide all that I need. I don't know anybody, and I'm just going to say this really respectfully, because I know that, that it's a, the struggle is real, that it's hard sometimes in our nation. We look like a really wealthy nation, but it's hard to make ends meet, right? Uh, but I don't know anybody who was having a tough time financially who chose to tithe and God didn't make a way. I don't know anybody. I never heard somebody say like, I gave my tithe and like, I just lost everything. Because if you trust God, God rewards faith. So really briefly, three principles for giving. I give to God first, number one. 
Proverbs 3, 9 says to give to God the first fruits. It, it meant first in that day. It also meant the best, but now we get paid in like money. So I don't really have a better $20 bill, you know? So I give first. I give God the tithe and offerings first for a reason. I do that because when I give to God first, I prioritize him over my own needs and wants. I don't give myself the chance to skip the tithe. I told you, sometimes it's hard for me to be a giver. It's just a personality thing. Really, it's just a flawed humanity thing. So if I do it first, I don't give myself the chance to skip it. And I tell myself, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. I tell myself, this is what I value. When I give to God first, he blesses the rest of my finances. Here's the truth. God likes to do things backwards. And he says, if you give me 10%, then the 90% will go further than 100. Everybody used to think you had to earn your way to God. But what Jesus did is he came and he said, no, I earned it. Now you just accept it as a gift. Every other religion will teach you that you have to earn your way to God. But God himself through Jesus doesn't teach you that. That's what separates Christianity from the rest of the religions. God likes to make things a little bit upside down so that we never think that we're so smart that we got it all together. Number two is I give tithes to the local church. I believe that the local church is the modern day storehouse. Malachi 3.10 talks about giving our tithes to the storehouse. The early church often gave to the church leaders who then distributed the funds. We saw that in Acts 4. Now again, the early church did that. And here's the, the thing, is that church leaders have an extreme responsibility to do what's right with God's money. As do you. Because everything that you have, everything that I have, is a gift from God. And so we have to do what's right with it. Uh, I'm proud to be a part of a church, by the way, that supports people not just globally, but in our community. Uh, actually, I, I was talking with a, a gentleman, a homeless gentleman yesterday. And uh, he said, uh, I was like, yeah, actually, I, I've seen him at Whataburger like a million times, right? And uh, I said, hey, uh, yeah, I actually, I work at Tree of Life down the road. He's like, oh, you know, you know Kay Scott? And I was like, yeah. And she runs our Family Life Center which is one of the ways that we reach out to the community. Come on, if we're, if we're a known name among people who need it in this community, that's a good thing. Amen, church? It's awesome. And the last thing is I give special offerings above my tithe. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul was actually talking to them about giving a special offering to the church uh, in Jerusalem. And, and I believe, again, that the tithe is a baseline for a believer. Because we're under grace, we go further now. And so uh, I want to challenge you to be someone that gives offerings. I believe you should give offerings to the local church. My wife and I give to missions every month. Um, but also I believe that maybe you should give some offerings outside of church too. Uh, you know, if there's somebody that's on your heart, you want to be a blessing to them, something like that. Just something to consider. Um, that can be a little bit different than a, than a regular offering. That can be more of like just wanting to be a blessing. Um, but I want to close by asking you three questions to challenge you. And again, I want you to remember Romans 8.1. It says that, there's that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But I want you to write these questions down in your phone, whatever you need to do. I want you to ask yourself these this week. Maybe do it with your spouse. Ask these questions together. Number one, do I give to God first? Because I have been in that place in my life where I gave to God last and where I was like, whoa, um, if I don't have enough this month, I'll just kind of do like rollover minutes on your phone. 
and I'll just roll it over and I'll give it. Totally been there. Number two, do I give a minimum of 10% of my increase? Again, I believe tithe is the baseline for the believer. No condemnation, no judgment. It's just it's what I see in scripture. And number three, what can I do to honor God in a greater way with my finances? As the band comes up, we're gonna close. Uh, I, I don't want you to ever hear condemnation, but I want you to hear the voice of God uh, reminding you that there's more to life than trying to hustle, make it all work, and trying to have enough money and just trying to make it. God's style of generosity unlocks a blessing that is not just a monetary blessing, it's a joy thing. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.